Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We did the welcome prayer every day, didn't we, last year? And um, welcome, welcome, welcome has been a part of our vocabulary at the Otto House for a long time, wanting people to come into our home and into our lives in a welcoming way. And it's what I um, hope that you feel every time you find Modern Homemakers on your podcast screen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for this passage we've just been through, which is coming to a close, and I, I feel a little sadness about it, because introducing my friends to you, my audience of friends, has been really terrific. It's been unique, unusual. I've had young friends and old friends and men friends and girlfriends and a couple of more friends, which I'm going to talk with you about in our next time together, um, in something I'm calling Living Together. And uh, Living Together has really been my model. It's been something that was given to me about 30 years ago, and I've kept it in my planner, um, my little planner that I take with me everywhere I go. And I have reviewed that and reviewed that and watched how my earnestness about what the scripture says about living together, living together, um, what it really looks like. So uh, this time in talking with my friends and introducing them to you has reminded me of that. And I've decided that I'm going to share it with all of you. We'll put it up online mm, probably in 10 or 12 days, and you can get the hard copy from it. But today, I want to introduce to you a longtime friend, Ted Wiesty. Hi, Ted. Hi, Donna. Nice to have you. Well, it's good to be with you. <laughs> This is the world of modern homemakers. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's it's nice to be with um, some modern homemakers. <laughs> <laughs> you you live with a modern homemaker. I do. Yeah. I do. I've lived with her for, gosh, over 28 years now. Unbelievable! I can't. You couldn't possibly be that old. Are you that old? Twenty-eight years or old? That would make me very old, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you were saying I'm going to introduce, you know, to friends, young and old, male and female, I thought, why? Well, I know I'm a male, but am I one of your <laughs> old friends or young friends? Because I'm, I'm getting older, Donna. That's it. Well, and the I, thing about it is, this definition of old, I find the the um, we are consumed with age and beautifying and getting older, consumed with it as a culture. And inevitably, when I say old, people think old and decrepit instead of old as we've known each other for a long time. So um, let's not let's not go there. I just want to remind our audience and. Uh, welcome you, Ted, that this little format we developed for bringing my friends to the audience of modern homemakers who are friends around the world. Um, I, we never stop being amazed from Sweden to Japan to Australia. I mean, we, we know you're all out there listening and tuning in, and we want to encourage you. And I know you'll be encouraged as you meet my friend, Ted Wiesty today. So, Ted, the first question is always, tell us, tell our audience how you remember our, yours and mine first meeting. 
Well, you know, as as I was thinking about that, I <laughs> I don't know if I remember the first time. You know, can I really go back that far? Because it's, gosh, almost 35 years, probably. Oh, my God. And I, I do know the context was our families uh, were friends, and specifically you and the mom uh, were good friends, became friends. And, and so probably the first time I met you... I, my guess would be that that our family came over to your house for lunch after church or something like that. Is is that close? That's that's well, that's close. I would give it a little color. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, please do. What do you got? Yeah, so um, so tell our audience what your dad did and uh, where you guys were living uh, when you moved to Arizona. So my dad. Uh, it was a civil engineer. I guess he still is. He's now 83 and mostly retired. Um, and uh, so he, we were living overseas. He worked for the, the U.S. government and, and basically was doing consulting work uh, with the Kuwaiti government in the early 80s. And I always tell people when we first moved to Kuwait, we would tell people that and they'd say, well, where's that? Is that like one of the Hawaiian Islands or... I've never heard of that. And then now, you know, years later, everybody knows Kuwait um, because of the wars and all those kind of things. But we had lived there for three years through part of my junior high and um, into the first couple of years of high school. And so when I was 16, uh, we moved from the uh, nation of Kuwait to Arizona. We'd never even stepped foot in Arizona before. It's like a new nation of Arizona, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although, although there were some similarities, you know, it was incredibly hot over in the Middle East, and so we moved here, it was actually a little cooler than what we experienced there. And for those of us who live in Arizona, we can't imagine, of course, this, this year especially, uh, like you, I've been here the entire summer, and uh, the hottest summer on record. Well, I, I just, as you're talking, um, was thinking about... Really, the connection was how I met your mother, and that is really connected to the work of Modern Homemakers, which I never thought of until you just said that. So the first time I remember seeing Ted was truly at my front door. His family, his father, his mother, his younger brother, Eric, and Ted arrived at the front door for a meal. I don't know if it was Sunday lunch or not. And Ted, that may be, you and I may be, this conversation, the only of all of the interviews that I've done about my friends and introducing to our friends at Modern Homemakers, that we are close in agreement. I mean, one of my friends said, the first time I met you, you didn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, we did come to agree that it was a pity lunch anyway, so it probably worked out that we didn't show up. But um, that is uh, exactly what I remember. But I met your mom because those were the years, that would have been in the late 80s, and I had written my first book on organization, and had produced a time maker, a planner, that had sold millions of copies around the world. And your mother bought my time maker while she lived in Kuwait. Really? When she came to America, when they came back home, 
her sister or a friend at the church in Arkansas. I don't remember who it was, but a friend. Some, some other woman said, oh, well, you're going to Arizona, and Donna Otto lives in Arizona. And so your mother made her way to find me at Scottsdale Bible Church when you guys came to Arizona. And I never thought about that until this very second when you said that. So that was how your mother and I met through the work of homemakers, the work of what I've done with the work of my hands these last years. So we don't have too much disagreement about that. Can you remember uh, another time uh, in our friendship that sort of stands out to you? <laughs> Just one? <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. A lot. Well, you know, the one that always stands out, and, and there are many, for sure, there's many, but um, uh, as I was going through my college years, um, uh, you and David certainly continued to have a, an important uh, role in my life, and uh, when I met Jennifer, who's now my wife, um, you had an influence on her and uh so when i decided that i was going to ask jennifer to marry me the plan was uh, that i was going to do it with chinese food and so i was going to order chinese food and take her out to this scenic view that up in fountain hills arizona you know that overlooked uh, the southeast valley and i wanted to have uh, fortune cookies as a as a part of this whole thing because part of our our joke uh, was we'd always go out for Chinese food and I would open the cookie, you know, and say, oh, mine says you're sitting with the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> and I would say that every time that we had dinner. And so I had to get a fortune cookie that actually said that. And so Donna, you helped me bake fortune cookies. And, and so one of them said that, you know, this is before like, computers and things it was like a handwritten little slip of paper that we made in the fortune and the other fortune cookie had the ring in it and it said will you marry me and i will never forget that i still have pictures of that you know um of that time when in your kitchen your old kitchen at the house over there and um we made fortune cookies so that that will always stand out among other things. Mm, that's great, Ted. I, I, I remember that just as you described it. it was What a fun experience that was. And we, I'd never made fortune cookies, but we had a recipe. Come on, we could do anything. <laughs> I, I do remember that we ate a lot of bad cookies, you know, that we couldn't use because the whole folding process was foreign yeah. to our fingers. But... In the end, we got done what needed to be done. It probably took us four or five hours to make two <laughs> At <cookies>. least. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of things we did together through the years, and I particularly um, am fond of the family things we did after you left Arizona. Uh, so I would like uh, you to do what I've been asking all of my friends to do, and that is would you just tell our audience about how God's led you any part of your walk of life, whether that's accomplishments, education, uh, experiences, the combination of all those pieces, I felt the Lord saying, I'd like to hear from my friends instead of my giving, and yours would be a rather long and accomplished list of 
information if I were introducing you in a formal way. So don't worry if you leave something out, I'm going to add it. But could you just speak from your heart about what God has done, how he's led you, what you've been able to accomplish because of his grace and power? Sure. You know, I, I think I want to tie in another memory of you as I, as I do this because it's significant. So, you know, I went to seminary and was trained to, to be a pastor and entered into pastoral ministry in my late 20s. And in the journey of walking through all of that, God really began to grab my heart in some what certainly at the time felt like unique ways. And one of the questions that uh, I was plagued with in the early days of, of ministry was, I, I, I believe deeply that, that Jesus uh, was in the business of changing people's hearts and lives. And the question that really plagued me was, how exactly does that happen? Because I was pastoring, I knew how to run a church, I knew how to uh, teach the scriptures, but the question that kept nagging at me was, how does life change really happen? How does transformation happen at the heart level? And so God began to uh, take me on a, on a personal journey that then also was dovetailing with uh, some uh, things that were happening in ministry and questions that I wanted to have answered. And so it took me on a journey of, of um, my own formation and really starting to study and understand spiritual formation. And in the process of all that felt led to uh, be trained as a spiritual director. And, and, you know, Donna, I, I can remember when, uh, you know, our family would vacation from Texas to Arizona, usually for about a week every year. And uh, people thought we were crazy, you know, <laughs> coming to Arizona on vacation in the <laughs> summer. But just about every summer, you know, that was happening. And we would have all these conversations. And I, and I think what was part of what was neat about that was God, I think, was uh, drawing our hearts together. We'd known each other for years in relationship. I mean, close enough that we would come vacation with you guys <laughs> and stay at your house. But God was, you know, meeting our hearts together in some common ways. You had been on some of these paths for a long time, and, and I was uh, moving into some of these places. And I remember the uh, conversation we had, as I recall, you know, at your house and in your kitchen is where I see some of these conversations happening where we sort of talk about being trained as spiritual directors. And so we prayed about that and went through spiritual direction training, a two-year program together. And, and that really has been significant in my life in terms of shifting the trajectory of how I've been involved in ministry, how I've pastored and now really being involved in spiritual formation and spiritual direction work full time. So, so yeah, as you asked the question, that's, that's kind of what, what comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. So I affirm those visits, you know, Ted, when I think of it, or we're in a conversation like this, I can remember our families, you know, your wife, my husband, sometimes when our daughter and her husband would be around, they would say, oh, it's a good thing the two of you like to get up so early. And we would be up before everyone else who was quote-unquote on holiday or tired or whatever and talking about deep things. Just that, yes, direction was one of those subjects. But I remember that was, there was always a, a deepness about our conversation that the two of us engaged in 
pretty much all the time. I think that's still true when we get together. So tell us, uh, after seminary, what did you do after seminary? Well, after seminary, uh, well, I, I did, uh, you know, I, I, I did an MDiv here in, in Phoenix and and really thought that uh, I was going to go on and, and teach in an academic setting. And so our family moved to Texas where I pursued PhD studies. And in the process of that, I thought, you know, I need to have a job while I'm going through seminary. So I got, I got hired at a church part time and, and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, um, I've been ordained and, and so worked at this church and little did I know God was really shaping me and molding my heart for pastoral ministry. I kind of didn't think that's what I would do. And so I ended up, you know, pastoring at a church and it became a full-time job and uh, pastored as an associate pastor basically for about six years and then planted a church out of that church that I pastored for about 10 years. And some of what was happening in me in terms of focus and, and how I was pastoring and shepherding people and the introduction of spiritual formation and spiritual direction led me to leave that position and move back to Arizona Yay. to to do a pastoral ministry at a church, really focusing on spiritual formation. And part of what also drew me back was the opportunity to uh, teach in an academic setting. And so I'm doing that now. I've been doing that for about six years, part-time, adjunct, teaching spiritual formation. And and then the the church where I was on staff gave me the, the freedom to pursue some things in spiritual formation in the community. And, and Donna, again, that's where our paths crossed. And part of the dreaming the Lord put on our heart was to start the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona. Okay, so I want to stop right there. I want you to stop right there. Because yeah. we use these words, spiritual formation words. And I regularly try to pause and say, okay, this is what I think these words mean and preceding concepts, following concepts. So would you tell my friends in the audience, define spiritual formation for someone who's not accustomed to hearing that word? And um, let's not go to spiritual direction. Just let's talk about spiritual formation, ways that we are spiritually formed. Okay. Well, <laughs> as you say that, I think if, if I was teaching at the seminary, I'd say, well, why don't you tell me what you think it means? <laughs> and then, and then I heard go that trick here. from you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and then I get a chance to sort of formulate in my head what I might say. But, you know, I think... At, at its core, spiritual formation is the reality that God, when, when we come to know Christ, God is in the process of forming us in our spirit into the image of Christ. And he does that through this relationship we have with him, where we are invited into a deepening uh, relationship with him over time. So the the three words that I like to use in talking about that is spiritual formation is a process. It's the process of what God does in shaping our hearts and lives into the image of Christ. Um, it's a response. It's our response to what he's doing. So God is the initiator. He is present. He is loving us. We respond to that. And then it's a result. The result is that we are formed into the image of Christ. So process, response, and result. 
we're made to look like Christ. So yeah, I think that's in a, hopefully that's a simple, understandable way to think about formation. Yeah. Thank you, Ted. That's a good outline. I bet you have some material to teach that outline. We might have to call you again and say, could you, could you go through that outline with us more in depth? I often say, and want to repeat in this conversation, that a lot of us have what I learned years ago from the eyebrows up. And I always say this when I do this. Okay, girls, you can hear me. I have my my saluting hand above my eyebrows on my forehead saying eyebrows up information we just put so much stuff into our cranium a lot of information good thing to do don't stop doing that that's reading and reading great literature and certainly reading god's word and in that information when it starts to to use your word Ted, to process, to reprocessing it, and then responding to God, we get formed. We have formed differently. We look different. I know you've had that experience when someone said, what's different about you? It isn't just that we follow Christ. There's some work that's going on that's forming us. And, and then a verse that I always fall into as a reminder, 2 Corinthians 3 chapter 18 and he says and all of us with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord and the spirit so that information don't stop getting information and formation don't stop being formed through the process of God's initiation and our responding to it and look for the ways that there is transformation I think so often we want to jump in at the deep end I know I do I want to go for the deep end stuff the transformation stuff what does that look like a lot of tools we've talked a little and we're going to talk a little more I'm just finishing my certification on the Enneagram process and we're going to talk a little more about that here not too much just a little it's quite faddish right now but I appreciate so much Ted that you are teaching young men and women how to engage you are engaged yourself tell me now about the spiritual formation society what does that what is the spiritual formation society what does it do how does it affect our community in phoenix arizona well you know i i think the way i would describe that is and and i think it just it fits in perfectly with what you just said you know information and transformation i think often we think about information as being the end goal and really information is only important to the degree that it supports mm. a real vital relationship with God, you know? And, you know, I know that my wife has blue eyes and that's great information, you know, but that doesn't help me love her. It might help me discern whether or not it's my wife or not. Somebody comes in the house with brown eyes, that's not my wife. Okay, I need to stay away. But, but all that information about her, it's really only important as a support to this relationship I have with her. And I think with our life with God, it's the same thing. And, and unfortunately, in our modern world, we've been so shaped by information and wanting more information and getting more information and thinking the right thoughts. It often gets divorced from relationships. And, and it can almost seem cliche, but it's, it's really true. 
it is a relationship that I have with God. So I think what happens often, and, and you know, the, the core of what we're trying to do with the Spiritual Formation Society is reach leaders. So we actually say leaders and learners. Um, we, we're not excluding anyone, uh, but the target, or the, the bullseye of the target are leaders is to create spaces where they can explore their relationship with God and grow in deepening intimacy with, with God. And often what happens in our churches and certainly with, with a lot of our pastors and church leaders is they can get stuck in their heads. They can get stuck in a place where it's just about doing and accomplishing and achieving. And so we want to create space where leaders can rest can have their souls cared for because often they're caring for everyone else and there's not anyone caring for their soul. Mm-hmm. What are the vehicles that the society uses to encourage these leaders and learners? Love that alliteration. So um, one is uh, our network of spiritual directors. Uh, we have almost 30, I think, spiritual directors now on our directory on our website. And so it's encouraging leaders to meet with the spiritual director one-on-one, someone that can walk with them and prayerfully listen to them and companion them in their life with God. So spiritual direction, we do soul care days where it's either half a day or a full day of just getting off the scene Uh, usually at a retreat center um, where they can just unplug, be with God, be with others, and not have to be in charge. We do silent retreats, just giving people a space where they can just be with God, period. Not without, and, and we're without any input other than what the Spirit is doing in them. And we do other retreats and other workshops and, and things like that. That's great. Well, as, um, Let's see, what is the word I was looking for? I started to say colleague, but that's not a good word. Colleague is a part of it, but as um, a person who feels united with your cause. Yes, that's what I feel. I feel united with your cause, Ted. And uh, from the audience, they've heard me say this before, but I always believe that God uses every piece of our journey together for his good. If we've given ourselves to him, to him first, that what he wants us to do, we're willing to do. And when I first came to Arizona, I remember a woman who was leaving Scottsdale to go back to Chicago. She and I had been friends in Chicago. And she came to Arizona and she said, it'll be so fun, we're gonna be together in Arizona now. And before we, David and I actually got moved here, her husband was transferred back to Chicago. And uh, we sat together on a spring day under a tree, and she said, now, I want to ask you to do something. And I said, sure, what? And she said, I've been praying for the city of Phoenix, like very specifically for the city of Phoenix, that God would have a, I think she used the word revival. It was kind of an uh, uh, old word, but that God would bring a change to the city of Phoenix. Well, that was very revealing to me because I had come to Arizona 
we got engaged in a church. I had not written a book. I had not been a public speaker. None of that part of my life had even started when we moved to Arizona. And now I was being engaged in this work outside of Phoenix. But there was this prayer, and this prayer was, pray for Phoenix. And I began that. That's 43 years ago. And I think what you are doing, Ted, in the work of Spiritual Formation Society is a work that is changing the face of Phoenix. I see it happen. I'm hearing people's conversations, leaders who are um, meeting with you and other colleagues in the society. So I want to say well done and thank you. Um, how can our listeners, especially those who live in Phoenix, reach you? Can you give us a website, um, email, something that they can reach you? Sure. It, so Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona, you could Google it. It'll come up. But the, the specific web address is sfsaz.org. Okay. SFS Spiritual Formation Society, AZ Arizona dot org. Okay, so all of you who live in Phoenix, Arizona, especially, take notice and um, take the opportunity to make these resources available. Well, Ted, I know any minute our producer is going to start wagging at me, as she does about this time. Because i really rather just go on chatting. Lots of things I'd like to chat with you about. But we've asked all of my friends to do one thing, and I have no idea what your answer is going to be as we end our time together. A value point that you prize, that of all the other accomplishments, of all the uh, engagements, of all the things you embrace, is there one value that you particularly hold dear I know there is, and uh, will you share it with us? It can't be Jesus, though. You know, it can't be squirrel or Jesus, Ted. <laughs> I mean, it can't be Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's really that simple, you know? It is. Well, ah, you know, I, that's, that's a hard one to answer in some ways, but if I had to say what is my, what do I want my life to be about? What do I value more than anything? I would say it's living in the presence of God. You know, Brother Lawrence talked about practicing the presence of God. That's that's it for me. And the thing that I'm going to do a two for one here because they, they're connecting. <laughs> I promise. Oh, I'm surprised. Um, the other, you know, the other part is the love of God. I just think understanding my identity as the beloved of God is is everything. And and when I think about the presence of God, what does it mean that God is present? Well, it means that he's constantly in the process of loving us. His presence is his love. And so that's where those two things go together for me. I want to constantly be living in the love of God, in the presence of God, letting that be what defines me and shapes me and answers my questions and leads me forth relationally and everything else. So... That's what I value more than anything else is that God never leaves me or forsakes me. He is present with me more than I will ever be able to wrap my brain around. Mm, wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Ted Wiesty. 
We are glad you have given your thoughts and time to Modern Homemakers today. I want to say to all of you who are listening, we are drawing to a, a close of my bringing to you, my audience, my friends in the audience of Modern Homemaker, the friends of my life. And Ted Weesey has been one of those people in my life. And I'm very grateful for you, Ted. Uh, continue to look for the items on our website that will help you and process the things you're going through at this very moment. The books are still around. If you haven't requested a free book from any of our previous guests, please feel free to do that. We're going to tie that loop very, very soon. And I look forward to being with you in a couple of days and talking about living together. Thank you, Ted Weesey, for joining us. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being formed in Christ. <laughs>